0: Thank you, Michelle. Um, Thank you, everyone, for showing up. I have um, a little presentation for you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself, then how I came to open the studio and why. And um, I would love to have this be an interactive discussion versus me showing you slides. That's why I have like only five. Uh, But I would love for this to be an interactive one, just discussion around the prototyping, status in Portland, in the U.S., and uh, manufacturing in the U.S. in general. So, a little bit about my background. I've been in this industry for a long time. It's actually a little over 25, but that will age me. Um, I started in the fashion business. I I, uh, have a uh, a specialized degree in wedding gowns. Go figure. Um, Wedding gowns and evening gowns. I worked at fashion places like Liz Claiborne, Pepe Jeans, uh, The Limited. Then the last 17 years of my corporate career, I worked for Nike. Um, At Nike, I've done product creation, innovation, development, sourcing, strategic planning, the whole supply chain, which actually prepared me for opening the studio uh, that I have today, because it gave me a great knowledge of the whole supply chain from beginning to end. I retired, kind of retired from Nike, because at Nike, if your age plus years of service equal a certain number, you actually retire from Nike. So I'm actually retired from Nike. And it's been three years, Uh, retired in February of 2014, and opened Studio 317 in August of 2014. Uh, It happens very fast, because I knew it's something I wanted to do. So it's been on my mind for a while before I left Nike. Uh, Let me see. Um, I love product. I love to touch product. I love to make product. I love to think about new ways to make product. Craft is always high on my list. Um, And I like the word disruptive. When I craft something, it's always with a disruptive thought, a disruptive mind. Um, Status quo doesn't... You you, you don't leave a a mark with status quo. If you're disruptive, people are going to remember you. So I think I'm disruptive. And a lot of people are talking about the studio today. So um, that's a little bit of my background. Um, So what is Studio 317? Uh, I remember when I was still with Nike, I used to talk with, actually, I see a couple of cool faces from my Innovations Day at Nike. I used to remember I remember I used to tell my my manager, my boss, it's like, we cannot create just sitting inside a building or inside an office or behind a desk. And my manager at the time, Devin Wirth, if you guys know him, I used to tell him, we used to talk about how cool would it be if we have a space outside Nike with a cutting table, a body form, a sewing machine, and just let us go create there, you know away from the corporate world because you can be sitting and thinking people are going to knock on your door, there's always interruption, so that's the thought that started the whole studio for me. It's create a maker space where people can actually play around with with fabric, with pattern, with body form and just make cool stuff. Like I wanted my sandbox to be away from where I sit in my day-to-day job, so I started looking at uh, Portland. First, I started with Portland, uh, and the numbers that I discovered were staggering. There's about 250 companies in Portland that touch apparel, athletic, and outdoor apparel in any form, at any time. 250. About 800 in Oregon. Uh, you bring those numbers down, and I'm like, okay, so where are these people making their samples? Outside the top two or three companies, like I think. Nike has a sewing room, Adidas has a sewing room, Colombia doesn't and as you start going down the list to the smaller scale brands, all their prototypes are being made offshore or not in town and I thought that was, a number one, it's a problem, uh, number two, for the smaller scale startups and smaller design brands, it's very cost effective and it's not sustainable so that idea started growing, and I decided to open a prototype studio. So opened in August of 2014, um, and we're still open now, so <laughs> which is pretty cool, right? Uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So um, the problem that I saw is twofold. Um, one, that there's no space for local designers or local brands or startups to go and get a sample made and I figured you know with the years of experiences that I have um, it's my way of giving back to the community it's uh, it's my way of teaching the next generation so to speak and help grow the community the entrepreneur apparel community here in Portland and the United States and soon enough we had clients from Switzerland from Australia from New Zealand and we're still growing so the second problem that I personally had is around sustainability. Um, and familiar faces here would know you'd be sitting at your desk waiting for a sample to come back from wherever the factory is, Asia or Latin America or Europe, and a big box would land on my desk. I open it, it's a tiny shirt in a plastic bag, and I'm thinking, like, seriously, like, we're wasting so much money and so much like in, in carbon and all this and that that's the other way to work here. Another reason to work here locally uh, is you're closer to all the designers you're working with. You know, I don't have to waste um, plastic bags or boxes and as a matter of fact, we do not waste any fabrics cuttings, just a side note, um, all the cuttings that we have, all the leftovers, we uh, when we have enough, we make comforters and pillows and we donate them. So. It's another way to give back to the community and help, uh, help the environment. Please stop me. I'm going to keep going until I get like questions. So. Right. so this is our solution. We opened a prototype studio that turned into an innovation studio. Uh, and the way we work is we help a designer or a brand uh, bring their designs to life. We work with the designers hand-in-hand. Hand. We do all the patterns. We go through all the fittings um, until the garment is fit approved. Then when that is done, you'll get a fit approved sample to take to your factory. You'll get a graded pattern with all the sizes that you, you need. Uh, a tech pack, which includes you know all the flat sketches, all the specs for your uh, graded patterns. Um, markers, uh, construction details, sewing details, bill of material. And you can take that whole package and go to a factory. And they'll be able to replicate that for you in, in a larger scale. Um, that's how we started. And then six months into the after we opened the studio, we got a client in the electronics business. And we worked on our first wearable tech prototype. Uh, luckily, it was shown at the New York Fashion Show, and ever since, we've been targeted as the wearable technology prototype innovation studio. So, it's, it's been very interesting for me personally, because I dabbled a little bit in, uh, in electronics when we were at Nike, but didn't know anything about it. So, but these, you know, working with somebody like in, el- in electronics, it has expanded my, my knowledge in apparel. And it also, it helped me think differently. Because a project, you know, in electronic projects, for example, or any projects at any corporation would, could take up to 18 months or 24 months. And these guys came to me with less than seven weeks to, to have it done. And what that, that did is it helped me reduce all the fluff from your thinking. Because if somebody gives you six months, you're going to take six months. If somebody gives you six weeks, you're going to use the six weeks very efficiently. So. Working outside my comfort zone has been very, like, a very growing experience to me. And uh, I laugh because we got handed four more projects yesterday, and one of them is due next Wednesday. And um, you, have to, you have to get it done. You know, like, uh, that includes Saturday, Sunday, but you have to get it done. So, so now we are working a lot with wearable technology. It's, uh, I'm super excited to be on a panel to discuss wearable technology tomorrow. Um, Again, it's a, it's a, v- a super-growth experience for me. So, in the innovation... Uh, any questions on that? All right. So, in the innovation realm, what we do is... Um, I do have equipment at the studio that allows me to do that. We have a laser machine, and I have all the bonding equipment and tapes uh, that allows me to create without sewing. Um, if anyone is familiar with the no-sew technology, we use a lot of bonding and glues and uh, tapes to assemble garments and to assemble wearable, maybe harder shells into a garment, um, garments or soft good bags or any of that. It's, uh, it's a little more, um, it allows me to play a lot more with the construction of a garment, because I'm not bound by a sewing machine or a thread. Um, we can create shapes by hand. We can conceptualize, and um, it's it's my own sandbox, like where, <laughs> where all my equipment is. Like I call them my toys, because that's that's where I love to spend most of my time. It's a great technology. Um, I won't explain maybe too much, but it's a great technology. The bonding. Uh, it's been a little overused lately, but in the right space and at the right uh, with the right product, it's it's beautiful, uh, beautiful technology. Questions on laser or anything? How big is my team? Uh, my, my current team, I have about, uh, my HR person is right here. <laughs> I have about five people. So there's myself, um, head seamstress, those are full time people head seamstress, uh, development project manager. I have a great intern from the University of Oregon Sports Management Program, Carson. And uh, we do hire sewers and pattern makers on contract as needed. OK? Yeah? What were some of the, like, the biggest challenges yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the biggest challenge, um, at a personal level, was um, money. Uh, I invested my own money. And I did not want to bring in any investors. I don't like to owe money. Um, so I took a risk. I knew, I knew that it was the right thing to do at the right time for Portland, and I looked at it as a challenge. I'm like, if I know my industry, like this is going to work, because I, really uh, I really know that this is needed. It's my passion. I love product. Um, and I do believe if you go into something because you're passionate about it, it has to work versus doing it for the money. Um, so money was a little, little tight. Actually, right before I got uh, in contact with this electronics company, three weeks before that, I put my machines up for sale. I was gonna shut down. Um, Cause you know, you see your money go down, and I'm like, okay, this is not working, I'm six months into this, I, I'll i go get a job. I'll go back to the corporate world. Right then, when you start thinking like this, like that opportunity came and that was it. I'm Italian, so, okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, so that's the challenge. The other challenge is um, I, I, I didn't advertise, I didn't market it, so it was word of mouth, mostly. Um, and wh- when I did this, it took a while for the word to get out. Uh, but being in Oregon for almost 20 years, working for a large company for 17 years, I made a lot of connections. So it's those connections that started coming in and started to grow, but so it's been fantastic, right? And very cool. Yeah. So uh, this is a list of what we offer at the uh, studio, and you're welcome to get on the website uh, studio-317.com. It gives you a little more information about myself, my background. Uh, so we offer um, concepts, product creation, rapid prototyping, which is in this, in this age, um, I hate the word fast fashion, but fast fashion is, is key. I think the Zyras and the H&Ms did our industry, like I think they woke everybody up. Major brands work on 18 to 14 months in advance, as you all know. So for someone to come in and turn product over every three months, I think it's, uh, as a consumer, I think we, we're looking for something new a lot more often than that. So what we can offer is uh, rapid prototyping. And um, our timeline, from the moment you, we sit down and we agree and we, you hand us a design, within 10 working days, you'll get your first prototype. Um, an average fit, <laughs> Meg, don't listen. <laughs> uh, an average, you know, you go with an average of three prototypes to be fit approved. Meg could do it probably in one. But so so you you start counting, you know how long it takes for a product to be approved and getting ready for production. You're way under three months to get a product ready to go into production. So it's a big advantage that um, that we offer this industry, uh, being able to respond a lot faster than sending product offshore for you to get your samples made. And the other, you know, like the other advantage is that you can come and spend time with us at the studio. Conceptualize with us, work with us on all the fittings, and um, it's a lot faster. As designer, I know we all need to be there. It's, it's our product where we want to be there when stuff is being made. So whether it's fitting or we have questions about a pattern or a question about a fabric, we get the answers right away, and we can move on a lot faster. We also have a uh, trims and textiles library. Sorry. Uh, How do I source fabric and trims? Well, um, the fabric library that we have is a compilation of um, headers and samples that I have accumulated from my past connections. So you can come into the library, you can look at a fabric. uh, If you like something that we can introduce you to the vendor and you can uh, go order fabric. If it's something that I can source locally, I'll do that. But I work with mills from uh, the US, Canada, Europe, Asia. Um, And I have one from Latin America, so. Where is shoulder? I need shoulders, headers. (laughs) Very cool. Any other questions on this? And the digital wearable solutions. Again, we work with electronics companies and sports brands who are interested in wearable technology. Uh, Consulting, we do consulting on product creation, supply chain. Uh, manufacturing, sourcing, textile, and all that. And the big news is um, uh, this past November, I signed a partnership deal with a factory out of Asia. Um, They invested in the studio. And my one condition to invest with them, to, to let them invest in the studio, is you have to help me bring manufacturing back to Portland. And they agreed, so we're in the process of opening a factory here in Portland, and Southeast Portland. Um, and we're hoping to be open up and running in August of this year. So it's, uh, I think I can tell, the, the company, the, the factory out of Asia is RSI. They're one of the leading activewear companies in the world. They have uh, facilities in six countries over Asia, uh, very well known in the activewear um, and athletic business. And the promise is anything they can make in Asia, I have to be able to make here at a smaller scale. And what's really interesting about this is if we start with a brand or a, a smaller company or a startup company, we can help them with their production here. And then when they're ready to scale, it's a seamless transition, transition to the same company over in Asia. So it's, uh, we're truly offering something from beginning to end, from concept all the way to production. It's going to be small batch, um, maybe five, 600 units max. Um, anyone who can make more than that, they can go offshore. But this is, this is to bring in manufacturing, our way to bring in manufacturing back into the US and help the, the community of uh, this amazing athletic community here in Portland. So so we'll do bonding, we'll do laser cutting, we'll do um, like the bonding machines that I'm getting. It's like, I, I can't wait because I could never buy them on my own. So. Very cool. Uh, questions around? Yeah. Um two-sided questions. One, something that I couldn't let before one time finding sewers. And I wonder if that's a challenge here in what and also how do you
1: feel about
0: automation. Oh, so well um I'll answer the first one first. I think automation, there are different levels of automation in the industry. To be fully robotic, I don't think we're ready for it yet. Even the industry, I think you still need somebody to assemble them somehow. Uh, I don't think we're there yet. I'm not there yet. I don't think we'll be able to do that. Um, the first part of your question about the uh, so is, yes, it is a challenge. It is a challenge. Uh, we've been meeting with the city of Portland and the commissions and all this. Because the problem is, I can build the most beautiful factory and put the most beautiful machines in it. If I don't have a sewer, it doesn't mean anything. And unfortunately, you have to start at the bottom. There are no trade schools. Home Act doesn't exist anymore, so. The good thing is there are a lot of sewers in Portland. Um, Just not maybe enough factories. I know a few factories have shut down, you know, a little south of Portland. But regardless, we are working also with, uh, we're extending like, uh, we're trying to work with women's shelters to try to, um, you know, to teach those women who, who are in need a new trade. I know that we, could, we, use, we need between three and five or six weeks to get somebody trained. So as soon as the lease is signed, we're going to start training people. Start, uh, uh, we're offering some really good uh, benefit packages, so hoping to attract some, uh, some people who are interested in the industry, or even people who used to sew and when the, when the economy you know went whatever when manufacturing went away they stopped sewing so but that's the that's going to be the main problem and i do have support from the main factory to bring in support and training as needed so yeah that's going to be the biggest uh, hurdle yeah do you work at, at all with sustainability like for example zero waste yeah uh, very good question we try we try, like what, like I said, we don't throw away any fabric cutting, so we we reuse this. Uh, we're trying to improve the patterning. Uh, it's not always easy. Uh, I think the most efficiency we've got was like like 85 percent, but it's uh, it's something. We try, if we try. We would love to. Yeah, Meg can help. Meg is an amazing pattern maker. Everybody, I keep pointing at her. But I worked with her at Nike Olympics and like. Sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get you guys a microphone Sorry. Is it working? Yeah. yeah. How are you handling confidentiality with your different prototyping and protection, which is often a big concern? Yeah,
0: um, excellent question. So uh, the studio is by appointment only. Uh, so we don't allow people to just come in and when we know we have a, um, a client in uh, No one else walks into the studio and the sewing floor is empty. So everything is in 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 boxes in, uh, little totes hidden uh, At any point of time if you walk into the studio, you won't see labels. We don't have labels and we we hide everything uh, Everything is hidden even from some of these guys, but yeah, and sometimes brands will come in and th- they, they would want to spend three hours concepting with us. Then you know the studio is always uh, closed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you spoke a little bit about uh, bag design and prototyping for soft goods and uh, bags.
0: Yeah, so we do have a a. Like, Walk in foot machines for those who are familiar with a little heavier fabric, and we 're able to work on uh, soft, goods bags and accessories, uh, up to like I would say three eighths of an inch in thickness, um, and the ones that don't require harder trims, so anything that's soft, like the bag and stuff like that, we can do um, there's a lot of demand for bag, by the way. Um, I know my friends from Spooltown are having a discussion right now about their bag factory. It's an amazing factory if you have a chance to visit it. And they can do the harder stuff. They can do like the really thick and heavy stuff, but... Bags is in demand. I get customers always, especially women, that cannot find a tote that works for them. And bras. It's like, it's, the, it's a word of... For the last three months, everybody wants to work on the women's bras. It, I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, hi, Hillary. <laughs> uh, I, I know every company has tried it, but I think the woman's body is so hard to, to pinpoint. Uh, it's so different. Um, I don't know, like we've been talking about it, like I honestly don't know, Meg would know she would. Did you work on the bra project? Oh, that's why, that's why. <laughs> but I think, it's, I think it, the preferences are so diverse and it's so subjective to what a woman likes to wear in a bra that I think people are trying and they end up offering a large array of choices. But it's tough. I wish I had a better answer for you. It's tough, but we're, we're about to get into a big bra project and we're hoping, like, to make a difference there, but we'll see. Um, so I'm just interested on where you see the studio going, and what does success look like in the next three to five years for you? Ooh. Um, if I'm still open, it's a success, which I think I, w- I will. Um, I'll define success is, uh, to be honest, is if we're able to affect the community and um, some startups, you know, get them off the ground. Um, I have no excuses now. I have a great team. I have the capacity to do it. I have the capabilities to do it. So, if we can help more entrepreneurs and maybe more startup brands to get off the ground and establish themselves, I think that will be successful. Um, we're hoping to employ about 120 people once the factory is fully set up and running. So, that will be another success. Um, We've been talking about opening a, a night school for sewing uh, for people who are interested in sewing or people who want to learn the trade, whether it's sewing or pattern making. So for me, that will be success. You know, it's, um, we continue to do what we do best while we're affecting the lives of you know, like our community around us. I know it's cheesy, but it's true. Yes, yeah, we we work with everything from knits, like we've done underwear, all the way to um, outerwear jackets and uh, wool jackets. Um, we've done a couple of swimsuits, so yeah. We've been we've been like known for to offer athletic wear, just maybe because of my background and people know where I come from. But uh, we've been seeing a little bit more on the sportswear side and the at side come through. So,
1: yeah. Elizabeth, uh, would you talk just a little bit about, I know you now that you have RSI coming and you're working on that partnership, but uh, as we talked about having the prototyping studio and, and offering that service for folks, but then the connection between prototyping to factory and, you know, how that needs to connect for success as well, since you work on the prototyping now, you're going to bring the factory in, but you don't have that here yet. How do you work with clients on that? that Currently, piece? without the
0: factory? Yeah, so we the, the package that we give them at the end, the tech pack, um, is comprehensive of all the information that they need to hand it out to a factory. And we offer our consulting services even after they go to a factory. So if the factory still has any questions, they're more than welcome to come back and ask us. We had instances where the factory couldn't open the pattern because it's a different system, so we helped them. Um, If they have questions on the bill of material or constructions, um, for one of the projects, we had to send a deconstructed pattern, cut pieces, just for them to see how we we attached it. But in the future, the the innovation lab, the studio, and the factory are going to be at the same. uh, We're going to share the same space, so when this comes, it will be a lot easier just to uh, to translate that into the production floor. And everything we do, like uh, sample-wise, we do it with manufacturing in mind because it's one thing to sew one garment. We can you can pretty much do anything if you sew one garment, Uh, but we build that garment with the end in mind we build it in a way that will be able to, you know, you know, in fact, we'll be able to make it uh, as well.
1: Did you go out to RSI or were they looking, or were they looking to have representation in the United States?
0: Uh, so uh, an ex-boss of mine from Nike worked with them and when she heard about what I'm doing, and she knew that RSI was looking to invest in the U.S. They were looking at the East Coast. They were looking in New York, and you know, the East Coast. Um, she introduced us.
1: Because um, so. I think now there are about five different examples of uh, Asian companies who have landed here. Recently. Yeah, so yeah, is what's happening.
0: Yeah, I think for RSI also they wanted to be closer development-wise. They wanted to be closer to the big brands, and they're like main suppliers for. D- Two of the top four brands in the U.S., so they wanted to offer a closer and faster product creation timeline. So that's what they looked. And, and the other thing, just uh, about the RSI, is innovation is on their forefront. You know, they want to innovate. When they came to talk to me this past April, uh, the one thing they said is, "We don't want to be known as just a factory." They have six factories around the world. They make 50 million units a year. Said so c- we can keep doing this, but so does everybody else. We want to make a difference, we want to be on the innovative side. And they also have a partnership with a knit mill, which for me is fantastic, because I can do textile innovation now as well. So cool. um, so innovation was very big on their mind, that's why they wanted to partner with me versus just opening a factory, right. uh, whether on the East Coast or here. Yeah. Does uh, Portland, Oregon have any uh, measures for subsidizing or tax credits or anything like that? Zero. As far as I know. Yeah, we don't get a lot of help. <laughs> but that's why we're talking to them about maybe some educational services that we could offer through the studio if they could they could help us with that or through, you know, partnering with some shelters or stuff, but... Yeah. Um it's it's tough because I still have to think that I'm providing a service and the client has their own design. But I think we, we come to an agreement. The faster way that I've found, you know, like to show what I'm trying to express to them is by making it. Uh I always make it the way they want it, but we always have the concept on the side, say, hey, you could do this, but this is there's another way to do it. Um because I, I don't think about manufacturing costs, because that's not what I do. It's, I do concept. But I have to respect what the client view on their pricing is going to be. Sometimes I may propose something that's so out there that they may not be able to manufacture it at a, at a uh, decent FOB. So I have to get back. But I always try to show them what I can do, an, alternate, an alternative way of doing stuff, and I leave it to the clients. Uh, you know, like, to decide US When I open the factory you mean between here and there or even now? Even now. Um, to a certain degree. I mean a lot of factors will come to play. Um, fabric cost. Um, I mean, manufacturing costs will never be able to compete with Asia, but we'll be able to compete the way I like to say it, with the things that you cannot quantify. You know, the, the ability to be closer to market, the ability to react faster. Um, you don't have to hold inventory. You don't have to buy nine months in advance and hold inventory. You can buy a lot closer to your selling point. Um, I know, you know, we know enough about the costing structure in the US and Asia that we can give a, a make cost difference, but then all the variables you can add them, like the price of the fabric, the import, the duties, versus you know like the transportation that you have here. Um, so yeah, it's never gonna be like 100%, but yeah. We'll never be able to make t-shirts and fleece or hoodies here because it's very cost prohibitive. These are things that you, the commodities, I mean, the fabric is too expensive, and to make it is too expensive. But we're trying to make higher-end product, maybe. And sorry.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: How would you sell the product made in the US? That will inevitably be scaled up to a production. Yeah, um, uh, one way to look at it, actually, it's I had this conversation a couple of days ago. Um, when you're starting a new company, a lot of people will take a hit on their margin for the first couple of years knowing that in year maybe three, four, and five, you're going to recapture all of it. Uh, for companies that are trying to get a profit right away, uh, it could be tough, unless a lot of a lot of smaller brands are going e-commerce, uh, so you don't have to have a store, you don't have to pay for that. Um, a lot of people, you know, with local manufacturing, you can almost buy to order, or manufacture to order. Um, there are ways to go around that, but um, That's the only the only thing I can think of that you're gonna probably have to accept a margin hit for the first couple of years until you're scaled and you're big enough to go get better FOBs out of Asia. Does that answer your question? Um, I'm sure. I mean, they're going to offer you a competitive price. Um, I don't know how it will translate compared to other factories, but I'm sure they'll be able to offer you a very competitive price. Uh, I would say depending on the volume, but I don't know.
1: (laughs) We're really trying to use the microphone. I'm, I'm obviously trying hard. You're getting your exercise. I see you're wearing a Fitbit, <laughs> so I'm getting it. Um, I'm a bit of an interloper here, so I'm not in, uh, I'm not in this, this field. So I'm, I'm curious a little bit, have you considered about how you might structure as more of like an accelerator for small brands to, you know, prototype and then build and obviously go to production where you sort of help them with some of the gaps in their knowledge as, in exchange for
0: equity or some, oth- some other form of participation? Uh, yeah, we've we've had an instance where we do this. Unfortunately, where I am today, and as small as I am, I still don't have a lot of profit. It, I think it will come. Um, RSI, on the other hand, have they have done that with a few brands that, you know, they acted as an accelerator. Where in return for some equity in the brands, they help them with manufacturing. It is an option. I wouldn't mind uh, if if the brand proposal is a pretty strong one and um, it's appealing. I wouldn't mind, but um, maybe not right now. What? <laughs> like for now, I'm sorry, but it's like as a startup, it's it's. I have to make some profit. But you should come in front. <laughs> How much
1: business uh, is is uh, Kickstarter related, and are you willing to attain that? Because that. Um, I've heard recently, you know, some of the stats uh, that surround that concept is it's going to be its own commerce, and I mean it's just growing exponentially. Are you finding that you can capitalize on that and be successful in that in that market?
0: Uh, working with Kickstarter brands or Kickstarter in general? for me, um, I never I never thought about that because uh, I never wanted to owe money or anything back. Um, But we did work with a startup brand that started on Kickstarter, and they were very successful. So I'm sure it's something that, um, if if I needed it, I'm sure I would have looked into it. Uh, It's just I hate to owe money. Like, I absolutely hated it. Like As a creative person, if if I'm bound by money and making profit, it hinders your creativity. And um, I just, like, I was ready to shut down versus going and borrowing
1: some money. Good, right, any other questions?
0: I was wondering is RSI fair trade certified? And is that something that you're interested in if you have clients who are interested in using a fair trade factory overseas? Uh, I believe they are fair trade certified. They've been working with the larger brands that have their own code of conduct as well and labor codes. I want to say yes. I've seen the the book on their um, uh, co- codes I'm not like very knowledgeable about that but I would I would think so yeah Thank you. yeah I mean they're gonna have to be if they're coming here in the US also so I would I would you know like I would invite you to research them online and I think they have their uh, their code of conduct
1: and their community goals and sustainability, everything is online. I, I have the question, too. Uh, how many um, have you encountered many folks like you across the US who are doing this and and in front of this? Do you have any comrades that you pull from? Or is this completely just your own path that you're doing?
0: Uh, f- there are a couple of prototype um, services here in Portland. Uh, I think what we offer that's different is we offer the concept and the innovation space, all the way to production. Um, I have not seen any other company that does that inclusive from beginning to end. Um, I don't know. I haven't researched. I heard there's someone in LA that does that, but without the innovation side. Um, not a lot of places have the bonding equipment that I have. In a publicly open space, you know, you go to a factory and they may have the bonding equipment and all this, but not in a space where you can just go in and use us for—I mean, use it for a prototype. I would love to have like a counterpart on the East Coast because I know it's uh, it's growing crazy over there. Or not—they can come to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Any other questions? No, I think that's good. Right, thank you.